Good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to you from historic Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. We present news and views from God's point of view. Today's topic is Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. So as you're well aware, this election is far from over, and there are challenges going on in six different states, but not just legal challenges. As we pointed out last week, there was a very good hearing in Pennsylvania, which was the bellwether and set the stage, and now there's been hearings in Michigan. We're going to talk about that more today, as well as the Pennsylvania one. There's hearings scheduled in Georgia. There's hearing in Arizona. And hopefully there'll be hearings also in Wisconsin and Nevada. So we can see, and as I mentioned topic, that there's systematic and massive voter fraud going on. But not just fraud. Actually, there's a goon squad that the Democrats, and specifically Mr. Biden with his infamous, you know, massive voter fraud organization, is or has put in place. And there's a nexus between this and the things we've been talking about since I started this regular blog video show in March. Remember, my first topic was the great fraud, the COVID-19 agenda. Well, now it turns out this has become the supposed reason for not letting the uh, the uh, vote challengers in. Oh, you'll give us COVID, you'll die. And then literally throwing them out and intimidating them. And isn't it the Democrats who go around with the mantra, oh, you're suppressing votes, oh, you're racist. Aren't they the racist ones? Aren't they suppressing votes? Doesn't every vote that's fraudulently counted suppress a legitimate vote? And what about throwing out poll challengers and sending goons and thugs to challenge them and then literally having police remove them from the building? On what grounds did they remove them? (laughs) No grounds. It's shameful that the police even participated in that. But that was even the training that the people were given to call the police on the uh, poll challenger. So this is as one of the testifiers testified in Michigan. It's nothing new, but it's been taken to a level that's new in the fact that, you know, no poll challengers were allowed at all for 700,000 plus votes in Pennsylvania. And there was this uh, severe suppression of the votes in Michigan as well. Something similar happened in Georgia, and there are also regularities and fraud in Wisconsin, Arizona, and Nevada. So, again, I urge the legislators to do your job. Send the electors to President John J. Trump. As we mentioned last time, that is in Article 2 of the Constitution, is the constitutional prerogative of the legislators to decide those issues. So I'm going to play a clip right now of that very question asked of the legislator in Pennsylvania and the answer from President Trump's legal counsel. Uh, Attorney Ellis, you had made a comment regarding what our um, constitutional ability is. And, And so while we understand what the Constitution does say, as far as us taking responsibility and, you know, we could intervene in certain sectors, um, you know, while the Constitution gave us that ability, it's been explained to us by attorneys that uh, we took that power that was given to us as General Assembly members and we put it into statute. And that statute says, um, you know, how we uh, appoint our electors and how we uh, certify the elections. Um, It's all spelled out in our Pennsylvania Code based upon the power uh, that we have from the Constitution. Uh, You have a differing legal opinion of that? Yes, I do. And uh, and I think that our, our collective, uh, and with my co-counsel here, uh, you can take that power back at any time. And when you have the uh, delegation of authority, the legislature can take that back. And you also have an instance here that the law was completely ignored. Uh, so even though you have, uh, you have a manner in which your electors are generally selected in Pennsylvania, and that's worked uh, for the past presidential election since those statutes were authorized and gone through the legislature, uh, this is an election that has been corrupted. And so you can't go through that method, and those laws 
were violated. And that is the General Assembly here, the legislature, is the authorized entity in the Constitution that selects the manner. You can take that power back at any time. And so when the laws were ignored, and that's where we have, and why we have all of this evidence to bring to you, is to show you each of these different types of ways that election officials have violated the manner in which you, as the General Assembly, have prescribed in the law how you select your electors. Because they violated that law, you have the constitutional authority to craft a remedy. You can take that power back at any time. You don't need a court to tell you that. So absolutely, and you can look at that. You can look at uh, the federal law for elections. This is your constitutional prerogative. State legislature, in the context of Article 2, Section 1.2, means state legislature, period. You also delegated it to the very people whose conduct is in question and whose, uh, it's, it, it, you're asking them to investigate themselves. So given that, given the fact that this is your sole constitutional uh, right and authority, you can always, you, you can always assume constitutional authority that you've delegated back. You also have a rational basis for doing it because you're asking them, I mean, this was done, one might argue, or at least that's one of the interpretation of the fact, deliberately by the governor, by the elections commissioner, who issued absurd opinions t telling people to violate the law. And then you're going to ask them to make a decision on the election that allegedly they corrupted? It seemed to me you have a perfect right to take that back and make that decision de novo. So the remedy there is clear. The legislators need to appoint the electors for the person who won. They don't need any greater reason than the fact that they are authorized to appoint the electors to begin with. And 700,000 people in Pennsylvania votes counted, no observers. In Michigan, similar, like hundreds of thousands of votes, no observers, people intimidating, no other reason needed. Let's look at some specific testimony instances of what went on and how this goon squad of intimidation was enacted by uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats. And it's really a disgrace. And it's the same kind of thing you've seen with the so-called Black Lives Matter on the streets, you know. Just intimidate people, you know, carry around baseball bats, you know, throw bricks at them, whatever. That's okay. You know what I mean? No, it's not okay. And we're not having that. Okay, let's look at some of this testimony. Oh. Witnesses we present are going to first show you that in the case of Philadelphia and in the case of Allegheny County and one or two other counties, the mail-in ballots that were received uh, were not inspected at all by any Republican. They were hidden from Republicans. Uh, in the case of Philadelphia and Allegheny County, I can't be absolutely certain, but I do believe the witnesses will show that a Republican never got to see a single ballot. Now, you know how important that is to determining whether it is a valid ballot or not. There's only one time you get to do that, and that's when you separate the envelope that possesses the verifying information from the ballot. The Philadelphia Board of Elections processed hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots with zero civilian oversight or observation. The mail-in ballots were handled, processed, opened, and counted in Hall F of the Convention Center. Hall F is a vast room, approximately 350 feet by 350 feet. That's about 120,000 square feet. The Board of Elections erected a fence approximately 50 feet into the hall that ran the length of the room. All observers were corralled behind the fence. More than 100 board workers were workers processed and opened mail-in ballots on the other side of the fence. These massed workers were arranged throughout the 120,000 square feet at a distance from the observers of about 10 feet to more than 200 feet away from us. The counting center was on the first floor in which there were multiple places to bring in ballots in and out of elevators and many rooms in which workers had access. I was there for three straight days. What became of concern was the back room, which had no observers, no line of sight or transparency into the process. There was no cooperation, complete resistance from election night and every day after. 
It took until our lawyer got an injunction to get into that back room in which pre-canvassing was transpiring. Even with an injunction, which was a joke, we were granted five minutes every two hours, and the setup was sitting in a chair 20 feet from any physical ballot. I truly wish I had enough time today to, to recreate what I witnessed and felt during those moments, but we did not gather here today just for me and my experience, but rather a collection of experience, experiences from Americans like myself. What I hope to achieve is for the public to understand is, what we, <clears throat> is that we have stuck our necks out, have been intimidated, threatened, bullied, have spent countless hours away from our families, friends, and jobs. We have signed affidavits under penalty of perjury, which should be consideration enough to know that this is a very serious issue. I'm here for one thing only, and that is to speak the truth. This is not about party. This is about my country. Every American deserves transparency, truth, and be able to question those in power without fear of intimidation, bullying, or backlash. I hope this committee takes action if needed, and justice will be swift to anyone involved in fraudulent activity. The Republic is angry, disgruntled, tired, beaten up, and ready to defend this country. My name is Julie Vahey, and I'm a resident of Montgomery County and the executive director of the Montgomery County Republican Committee. I'm here to speak with you today regarding my experience as an observer of the pre-canvas and canvas of the mail-in ballots. In Montgomery County, we had over 250,000 mail-in ballots requested for the general election. In the weeks leading up to the election, I personally trained over 100 volunteers to inspect and monitor the counting of these ballots to ensure the legitimacy of the vote in Montgomery County. Unfortunately, they were never given this opportunity. On sun Sunday, November 1st, during a walkthrough of the mail-in ballot facility, we learned that no watchers were permitted to inspect or even see the outside envelope of the ballot. After some significant pushback by our chairman, Liz Havey, the county agreed to wa allow two watchers inside the room, of which I was one. As an observer at the canvas, I was corralled into a small, narrow holding area, which is blocked off by tables and plexiglass barriers in the corner of the room. Due to the room layout and location of the holding area within the room, I only had visibility to the space where ballots were flattened and scanned. This was a huge area and the closest scanner was roughly six feet away and the farthest approximately 25 yards away. From my position within the holding area, I had no visibility or access to the room where ballots were sorted, outside envelopes were inspected, and both outside and secrecy envelopes were open. The space was divided from the scanning room by a large white wall, blocking all visibility to the slicing machines, the blue crest sorter, and the ballot storage room. In my opinion, this was a totally separate room and not one room as the county election board argued. During our walkthrough of the campus facility on Sunday, November 1st, we argued that this was a separate room and was told by the county chief operating officer that we would be able to view this space by security camera footage. The footage from these cameras was streamed to televisions in a conference room on the other end of the building, um, which was approximately a four minute walk away from where the ballot canvas room was. The system was not set up on our walkthrough day, and it was not until I arrived back at the facility at 7 a.m. on election day that I could see the footage was extremely poor quality and you could only see pixelated images of workers moving around the room and had no meaningful visibility of the ballot. I asked to be a minority inspector in um, 3615, that's the ward in the division. Um, I was just purely doing this to help my mom out. She's a ward leader in a different area of the city. Um, I'm actually not a, I'm a registered Democrat and I just wanted to help and make sure it was a fair election. I don't, I don't care who wins. I care that it's a fair election. Um, I showed up to the polls at 630 in the morning. Um, immediately I was met with a hostile attitude from all of the people that I had to work with. That would be the majority inspector, the, uh, poll watcher the machine operator and a committee man who was electioneering in the polls. He was wearing, um, he was wearing shirts and a hat and a mask for who to vote for. Um, we are about like an hour and a half in in the morning. Um, we have a long line of people. We must have had, I don't know, 60 people in line um, in the building, snaking around the building. And um, a woman came up and said, I'd like to turn in my mail-in ballot so that I can vote in the booth. And uh, the girl who was clerking for me said, 
well, if you want to turn in your mail-in ballot, um, we're going to need to have you fill out this form and the majority inspector is going to need to sign the form. The majority inspector had decided uh, in the middle of the morning to go home and was not in the polling place for over 45 minutes. Um, to my understanding, you as the minority, as a, um, I'm sorry, not the majority inspector, uh, the judge of elections, my apologies. She had gone home. And to my understanding, the judge of elections is not to leave the polling place. Um, so she was out of the building. We needed her to sign this form. Uh, the man who was electioneering and was a poll watcher, but also a committee man, um, confronted myself and the clerk and said, you don't know what you're talking about. Anybody can sign the affidavit. Um, why don't you stop trying to cause problems? Why don't you shut up? Started getting in my face, cursing at me, telling me that I needed to be quiet, that I didn't know what I was talking about, and I should just learn to sit down and not say anything and just let it happen. And my clerk and I said, no, we're not gonna let that happen. That's ridiculous. It says very clearly in our training and on this sheet that an affidavit needs to be signed by the judge of elections if somebody's going to turn in a mail-in ballot before they can go vote in the booth. We made her wait. Finally, the judge of elections came back. Um, not, of course, before he was threatening me, the uh, majority inspector threatened to slap me in the face. And uh, he told me that it was going to become a quote unquote racial issue. I'm not really sure why that would become a racial issue. It has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with following procedure and making sure it's an honest election. Um, I felt threatened. I called my ward leader. The ward leader then called the commissioner for Philadelphia, Al Schmidt. Al Schmidt had me call um, and report that to the DA. Um, and then about an hour and a half after that, uh, the majority inspector told me that she wanted to vote because we had a lull in people coming to the polls. So it was pretty quiet. And I looked her name up so that she could sign the book. And it said that she needed to remit her mail-in ballot or vote provisionally. She said, oh, I threw that in the trash. And I said, well, then you have to vote provisionally. And the machine operator and the same uh, committee man slash poll watcher who was electioneering that I mentioned before um, got up in my face again, told me that I didn't belong there, that I needed to shut up, started cursing expletives at me again, told me that they were going to allow her to do that and that I better be quiet about it. And then they let her go into the polls and vote. And she did not vote provisionally at all. She voted and who knows, maybe she voted twice. Not to mention, it wasn't until I had actually called our ward leader who had called the commissioner, who had called the DA, that they then sent representatives down to discuss this with me and defend me. I mean, I had maybe six men there because I was being threatened in the polling place. I want to start by showing you this is a book. I actually printed these affidavits last night. These are affidavits from Republican um, poll watchers or um, poll challengers that, that witnessed um, incredible events at the TCF Center. Mostly they're, they're all from the TCF Center. Um, so I want to thank you for having me. Um, I've been a poll challenger for nine years. Um, so I wasn't new to poll challenging when I worked at the TCF Center. Um, I originally applied to be a worker as an election inspector for the Wayne County um, elections. And the night before I was supposed to work there, I was told, um, I received an email saying basically that I was an alternate, that I would end up in an overflow room. So I opted to be a poll challenger. Um, I, when I got there, I began working on the duplicate ballot process where one poll worker would um, hold the ballot in, that they needed to duplicate and the other would have a blank ballot and they would duplicate it. Um, and then there was a witness that would stand behind them. And I knew the procedure at every table because like I said, I had been trained to be an election worker so I knew what was going on. Um, we were never told that the person that was inspecting the ballot, their job was to stand in front of the Republican poll challenger, but consistently that's what we saw. Whenever we would try to watch the process, the 
person that was inspecting the ballot would stand in front of us. And if we tried to move to the side, one of the agitators that were um, at the TCF Center, and there were lots of agitators that were there working on behalf, um, in my opinion, of the Democrat Party, um, they would challenge us and tell us to stand back, that we were too close, um, that we were going to kill people with COVID. Um, so that's what we encountered, and we were not allowed to get up close to the ballots. Um, it just was prohibited, wasn't allowed. Um, at one point, when the military ballots came in, we were told to take a break, that it was a good time to take a break. I'd been there for six hours. I worked for a total of 13 hours that day, and the only time I sat down, because Republican poll workers had to go upstairs to another room to get lunch or to sit on a chair. Um, Democrats and the agitators all had a corner where food was brought into them. They were served food. They didn't have to leave. When it was time to go to lunch, we had to leave because we didn't have food provided. We had to go to another room. When we got back, the doors were locked. I was able to get back into the room, but I witnessed um, pizza boxes being placed over the windows so that the poll challengers couldn't see in. And those were being placed over the windows by election workers and by, um, by the agitators that were down there. So we can see the amount of fraud already in these clips, and we're going to see many more clips. I mean, they weren't even allowed anywhere near to count. They were, you know, kept away. And much, much worse, they're bullied, intimidated, COVID shamed. Don't get near me. You'll cause me to die. Of course, it was just a huge ploy. And then people say, there's no fraud. Actually, only idiots would say that. Okay, let's continue. You can see here the kind of fraud that was occurring with a goon squad, you know, harassing people. How could we allow this in the United States of America? How can Mr. Biden and company think this is legitimate, that this is okay? How can they scream and shout about election intimidation when they're the greatest election intimidators? Uh, I'm here today as a registered Michigan voter, a mother, an educator, and a precinct delegate. I volunteered my time with the Election Integrity Fund to be a nonpartisan poll challenger. I worked at the TCF Center from 6.30 in the morning until approximately 9 o'clock at night. Throughout my training, I was told that the poll workers should not even have pens or pencils at the table. Um, shortly into the whole process, um, 150 tables simultaneously started duplicating ballots. Um, and by the admission of several of the people, um, you know, who are like the supervisors in Detroit, they had 10 to 12 um, Republican poll workers. So when you think about this, ballots were being duplicated in mass by three Democrat poll workers at a time. Where was the oversight in that? I also witnessed a August 4th primary ballot come in to which they decided they would go ahead and duplicate it to a general election ballot. Um, I also witnessed uh, several of the poll workers um, yelling, cussing, um, all kinds of nasty things at a lot of the poll challengers, including myself. I was a poll challenger at the TCF Center on Monday, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. On November 4th, early in the morning, I was standing at the adjudication table and a ballot came across the screen. The ballot had a straight party ticket vote for both the Democrat and the Republican. It was a filled in circle, which is an intentional mark. It's not a dash, it's not a dot. When the ballot came across the screen, there was no other marks, none of the judges, and none of the other ballot proposals had been voted on. The poll worker then said, I think I'm going to give it to the Democrats. That's absolutely absurd. That is illegal. The vote should have been tossed out. At that moment, I said, absolutely not. I'm going to challenge this. So I go get her supervisor. And then her supervisor defers to her and says, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, what do you think? It doesn't matter what you think. It's the law. Our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts are totally irrelevant. You follow the law. And that ballot is to be tossed out. But she wanted to give it to the Democrats. So then I go get the gentleman who was overseeing the entire absentee ballot counting process while Daniel Baxter was gone. So this gentleman's name, I do not know. I go get him. He's overseeing the entire process while Daniel Baxter is gone. I ask him. He says to the girl, what do you think? It was disgusting. 
I was enraged and I simply asked a question. I said, well, why not give it to the Republicans instead of the Democrats? The gentleman began screaming at me, began yelling at me, began telling me that I had no right to talk to her and he told her to push the ballot through. And prior to that, that same poll worker, a ballot came across the adjudication screen where this voter had voted for Joe Biden and the Green Party presidential candidate. And she gave the vote to Joe Biden. I also saw the ballots show up in the middle of the night. Also, I inquired about the tabulation numbers from the tabulation machine between shift changes. I was denied that information. We saw a lot of irregular things. This is not an anomaly. Just because all of us have different accounts of what we saw, that doesn't make them invalid. And to expect Secretary Benson to actually do something about it is foolhardy. To accept, uh, to accept Dan and Essel to do anything about it would be foolhardy. So we're appealing to you guys to do something about it. Because if our elections aren't fair, then we have no republic left. It's a banana republic. We have nothing. And, and we don't trust the election process. Why do you think a lot of people don't vote? Because they feel it's a big fraud. So our claims are being dismissed. I mean, Secretary Benson dismissed us before she did any investigation. So clearly she can't be trusted to do her job. It's not our job to conduct an investigation. There are paid officials who are to do that. So these kind of tactics are the same as street intimidation, if you think about it. Some goons, some people surround the people leaving a Trump event or whatever in D.C. and harass them, you know, with threats of physical violence or sometimes actually commit the physical violence or even knock them on the ground. And then... Do we hear Biden or anybody condemning this? Maybe belatedly a few weeks later they might say something like, oh, yeah, we don't agree with violence. Or about six or nine months later in the case of all the riots. Give me a break. They condone these tactics. People like Biden. It's criminal. It's based on my sworn affidavit that I submitted. I am an unaffiliated Michigan voter who... Uh, was trained by the GOP to be a poll challenger on Wednesday, November 4th, beginning in the late morning until around 8 p.m. because I was told that they needed help. They didn't have, they were understaffed. I witnessed the room erupt in thunderous applause and derogatory cheering as Republican poll workers were picked off one by one and ejected from the room repeatedly by police escort throughout the day. By the end of the day, they had picked off so many GOP poll workers that there were probably only a few dozen left to monitor all of the processing stations in the room, which I'm told was between 1.30 and 1.60. Because of this, I had to move between several tables. One was processing a stack of roughly 35 ballots with pink challenge stickers on them. Many other tables also had similar stacks on them as well. None of the ballots appeared to be in the poll database, so the poll workers were simply entering 1-1-1900 as the birth dates and entering the addresses and names that no one seemed to be verifying and which I could not see to verify. When I would politely try to check such things, as had been the case throughout the, the entire day, I was told that I wasn't allowed within six feet of the tables even to verify ballots and told that I was trying to kill people. Oh, by the way, notice the trying to kill people again. They're talking about COVID. What a bunch of BS. One fraud leads to another, the whole COVID fraud. And now they're using this, of course, trying to get Trump out, President Trump out all along, using it as an excuse to commit this massive fraud in the election. Michigan legislators, do your job. Pennsylvania legislators, do your job. Georgia legislators, Arizona, Nevada, and Wisconsin, do your job envelopes through the checking station. When I challenged it and subsequent ballots that weren't in the poll book, the table supervisor laughed and said, you can't do that. And several other operatives gave me the COVID runaround as I had gotten throughout the day, all trying to intimidate me and prevent me from doing my job, claiming that I was endangering their workers, trying to kill their people, and even holding a pen in a threatening way. Yet, when non-GOP operatives would stand near the tables and harass me, no one would give them any problem at all. At one point, a Democrat who was hanging back came up to harass me, uh, and then uh, a table supervisor showed up and uh, to challenge uh, because I was challenging a ballot. Once several table managers and non-GOP operatives have showed up to harass me, this Democrat operative simply melted back into the background with a satisfied grin on his face, knowing that he had caused me a problem. These people were like professional ag agitators whose job it was to sow discord among GOP workers who were trying to do their job and then get them kicked out. At some point, a GOP lawyer was brought in and confirmed that I was properly performing my duties. Instead of backing down, the table supervisor's supervisor and his supervisor and all the damn supervisors, uh, they, they came up and, and they started arguing with the lawyer, telling him he didn't know what the law was. One minute. 
In the meantime, the ballots continue to go through. So I stepped up to the table to inspect the next ballot briefly. The manager separated me from the table, wielding COVID as a weapon one more time, uh, and, and walking towards me, forcing me to step further away. He made some innuendo about playing with him that made me uncomfortable. And then he said something to the effect of, I will kick your ass or I will kick you out of here. And I said, and I looked at him and I, I quizzically, and I said, are you threatening me? He repeated the mantra more than once as he began to wave down a police officer. I raised my voice so that others could hear what was going on. And at this point, the, and I said, are you threatening me? And at this point, the police officer arrived and I did not ask any questions and I was removed from the room without any uh, due process. Realizing I had no recourse or rights, I grabbed my coat and I peacefully was escorted. I'd like to say one final thing. Please wrap it up. Okay. I saw several dozen military ballots throughout the day. I only saw three that were for President Trump. Wow. So intimidation, more intimidation, more intimidation. Yes, very fair elections. Not Michigan legislature, do your job. Send the electors for President Trump. Massive fraud. And they were blocking her view from seeing the ballots. So I offered to tell her what I'm seeing when they're duplicating these ballots because uh, she was fe in fear that she would be kicked out if she spoke up and challenged any more than she did. Um, with these manual ballots, um, after we watched the duplication process go on, they brought more ballots over. Um, and we watched them scan the ballots and put in the date 1-1-1900. One, one, um, I was actually with the Democratic challenger too. We were both confused on why this was happening. So we decided to call over a supervisor who the only response we got was, oh, that's the default date that we put. I was, I didn't ask any other questions, neither did he. I was didn't ask any questions in the fear that I'd be kicked out as I just witnessed four other re Republicans slash independents get kicked out. So if you challenge, they kick your butt out the door. Wow, what a fair and impartial process. Wow, what a good election. Wow, I'm sure Mr. Biden and company are proud of themselves. Uh, I was called names whenever my mask fell down even below, a little below my nose. Um, I'd be called names. I'd say I was killing people, stuff like that, while they'd be talking to somebody not wearing a mask. Um, people at the polling centers weren't wearing masks, the people who were doing the duplicating. Uh, it was just very unorganized. It was for the city of Detroit, one for... Uh, ballot inspector on October 14th and one for electronic poll book inspector on October 15th. And in both of those trainings, it was emphasized to the students in the classroom that the social distancing requirements could be used to impede poll challengers. In fact, both trainings emphasized that if poll workers got angry about it, we should call the police on them as a first resort. In fact, at the second training, we had a trainee, as they were explaining the social distancing rule, they said, uh, they, they, they have to wear a mask, they have to stay six feet back, and that's important because they can come behind your table. But if they don't have six feet behind your table, they can't come back there. So a trainee asks, so if they're six feet back, they can't actually see. And the trainer says, exactly, not unless they've got really good vision or they brought their binoculars. And later on, another trainee asks, what if they get really mad and they're yelling? And the trainer responded, quote, 911, call the police on them, have them thrown up out of there. We won't accept Biden and Harris as our president and vice president until we're given proof that nothing was illegally done in this election. If you go through a forensic accounting of Wayne, Macomb, Oakland, Kent, and my Antrim County, show us the facts. We want to see the ballots. We want to see the poll books. We want to see the cables, the tabulators. We want to see it all. And if you prove to us, Mr. Biden, with all due respect, we'll accept you as our president. We will accept you as our senators and our state representatives to heal this state and to heal this country. I have not lived for 62 years with kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids to see this election stolen, which is what we believe. Prove us wrong. All you have to do is that auditing of the books the ballots, in full disclosure with a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, Jocelyn Benson, Governor Whitmer, Mr. Biden in the room. If you do that, the truth will be shown and our land will be healed. But until you do it, we're not going to buy it. The Democrats say, 
hey, shut up. It's been certified. No, it hasn't. I don't believe Wayne County has truly been certified. With what Monica Palmer and William Hartman went through, they never certified Oakland County. How could the Board of Canvassers certify the state when you don't certify? They said it was. No, it wasn't. So that was the people who said they weren't going to certify, and then they turned the camera off and harassed them again, harassed intimidation for two or three or four hours. Then they gave them some false promise they would, and then they took away the certification, and then they said, they then signed affidavit saying they wouldn't certify, and then they said, sorry, too late. No, it's not too late. Michigan legislators, do your job. So like I said, we got a bunch of bullies here, a bunch of criminals, intimidating people, you know, and then all these votes, hundreds of thousands of votes, supposed votes that came in. Some of them weren't, you know, supposed to be mail-in ballots. They weren't even folded, and so many others. We're going to go over some more of the stories right now. Um, some clips, you know, all of those are disenfranchised and discounted and also done through intimidation. And this was a specific tactic that they wanted to do. So, Mr. Biden, where are you? Are you going to stand up for the disenfranchised hundreds of thousands? Or are you going to be our new supposed criminal elect president? Well, I guarantee you're not going to ever step in the president's place because this is not going to stand. So, President Trump, you keep fighting, but also, I'd like to know why you're not speaking out against this. Do you not want legitimate votes? Do you not want decency? Do you not care about these things? Do you not care about people? That makes you a fraud yourself. Um, my questioning is, what happened on the midnight shift? Because I came back in at 10.30 in the morning, I was called up and, and uh, they wanted um, more help. And at 10.30 in the morning, when I walked into that room, it was like quiet. The dust had settled. It was just kind of a quiet, silent room that was just maybe waking up, but it was still pretty quiet and sleepy in there. So how is it that if they brought in 40,000 votes at 4 o'clock, that they would get all of them done by 10.30? It just doesn't, something about that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't trust that this election was fair and on the up and up. And what are you guys going to do about it? You know, I know you can hear it all, but if we're not going to take action on a definite fraud to the system, if you're just going to kick it down the road and, and worry about it tomorrow, and maybe this is something that we can correct the next time around, um, you've missed an opportunity to stop what's going on. I believe. Um, Thank you, sir. I believe there was fraud in this election. Hello, greetings. Hello, My name welcome is to Linda the Senate Sawyer. Oversight Committee. Hi. Um, and I volunteered as a poll challenger. I am also a registered nurse, and I'll tell you why I'm going to throw that one in. Um, I am from um, Detroit. I'm from District 6. We have some thick skins where I'm from. Um, and I volunteered the night of the election. So I was the 10 at night to the 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. shift. Uh, definitely a hostile environment when I um, walked in. I did not expect to see what I saw. Um, and part of the hostility was definitely COVID. They used that as an excuse from the minute we walked in. Um, and it was also an excuse to throw people out. You could have had your mask below your nose, and it was an excuse to throw you out. And the reason I put that in uh, as a nurse is we all know that COVID is spread by droplet. The reason we wear our masks is so that we don't sneeze on people. Uh, we know that a sneeze uh, or a cough can spread six feet. So we wear a mask so that we don't spread it. So if it's below your nose, it doesn't matter if you're breathing. They use that as an excuse to throw people out. And the whole irony of it is uh, you had to stay six feet away from people so that we were forced not to see the ballots. But at the end of the day, when it was time to go home, they had us leave at the end of the room. 
and it was by escalator. So if you can imagine just a herd of cattle going up the escalator on the way out, that was okay. You could all smash in like a herd of cattle on the way out, and it was fine. So if you were trying to keep people safe, it did not matter at the end of the day. But as you were watching ballots, it, it made a difference. So again, the massive COVID fraud, as I've been saying, the great fraud, the COVID-19 agenda now applied here, one fraud leading to another. They kept us away from the ballots on purpose. They used COVID to throw us out. And at the end of the day, didn't matter. You could all smash in and leave the building okay. It was fine. So um, they used COVID as an excuse. And as a nurse, I found that despicable, totally despicable. Um, they used it um, to keep me from my monitor, told me I had to stay six feet away, but yet the supervisor um, stood between me and the monitor. So I'm going to flash forward to 2 o'clock in the morning. At midnight, Trump was ahead 10%, uh, which was an unusually high amount. To about 2 o'clock in the morning, my monitor went down. It totally rebooted. So unless you can tell me there wasn't a data dump, there wasn't a data breach, I don't believe that the numbers were true because when I went home and woke up, all of a sudden Biden was ahead. We had processed 120,000 votes by midnight out of the 170,000 absentee uh, ballots we were expecting. So I assumed we were missing about 50,000 and all of a sudden Biden was now missing. And Sidney Powell did discuss something about this in Rudy Giuliani's um, uh, press conference, and I do believe I um, did um, witness that. And the voting had stopped in the middle of the night. So, so very interesting. The voting stopped. The monitor went down. Then suddenly Biden got 50,000 votes or whatever. You see all these fights. And then it's statistically impossible. First of all, it doesn't make any sense. Second of all, to even count that many votes in the time. Give me a break. Were we born yesterday under a cabbage leaf? No! No more fraud! Stop the fraud! Give us our real president! Tables, you would not have seen uh, this um, rebooting of the laptops. Thank you. Uh, does anyone have any questions for Ms. Sawyer? So, laptops rebooted in the middle of the night. How interesting. Well, just a coincidence, of course. And another person testified. Uh, in the hearing that all the, um, how do you say, all of these uh, computers were connected to the Internet. They're not supposed to be connected. Well, I understood there were at least 135 table groups, and I'm not sure how many Election Integrity Fund people were in there, but I knew my son was in there and had to leave to go pick up his sons. Uh, and I did not believe that they were granting other Republicans to replace them. We did know that they were kicking some out, and so I knew they were short, and yet they came out and said, no, they had plenty, and they would not let us in. I was there when they were boarding up the windows, and uh, I don't know that Charlie the Duff, he showed up and interviewed somebody, and then they started letting in about six at a time. Uh, I never did make it in before I was too tired. Uh, I can't stand very long, so I had very often had to sit down. This one lady that was trying to help us ended up being Jesse Jacobs, the whistleblower. Um, under the tabulators, I witnessed multiple times stacks of 50 ballots being put through the tabulators multiple times. If they'd have been cleared, we would have no way of knowing because the supervisors for the tabulators made sure that the metal boxes they put the finished ballots in were so far behind the tabulators and made us stand behind those boxes. We were at least 12 feet from them and wouldn't allow us to get any closer to them. Okay, so this is election obstruction. And I think a lady, the one that's sitting behind here, is going to point out in a few minutes but, you know, all those things are actually illegal, but they're never prosecuted. Some of these things have been going on a long time, but not on this level. This is, this is insane. Remember, the title is Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. That's right. So we, we need to be out in the streets. We need to be vocal. This thing is not nearly over. These people work for us. We don't work for them. We don't work for a bunch of criminals. We're the taxpayers. We're the citizens. But we couldn't get in. Um, and so an hour or two later, I thought, well, 
maybe I'll try, um, I'll be an independent poll watcher. So I switched lanyards and now I'm independent. And eventually I was able to get in, but not until, um, not until 4 p.m. And I had, I had gotten there at 1. Um, what, when all these pizza boxes went up so we couldn't go in, there was just a mob of people waiting to be poll watchers. And a man came out and had a very big presence and very big man. And he said, please, I need room, everybody back. I'm the lawyer for the city of Detroit. So it's like, okay, and I have something to say. So he then introduced a man who told us that he was in charge of the poll watchers, monitoring them. And people say, well, and he said, and there are every single Republican challenger is here. I was like, no, they're not. They're, they're not at all. And he said, well, there are 130 whatever signed in and none signed out. And people next to me protested. I went out for lunch. Nobody said sign out. And he said, well, people chose not to sign out. I'm telling you that the, there was no signage. There was no signage for sign out. Big so wait a minute. So this, so complete fraud. So that the people sign in, and then they went out for lunch or something, and they never told them to sign out. And then they said, "Sorry, you can't come in." Oh my gosh. Oh, nothing to see here. Everything's fine. Sign for sign in. Turns out you were supposed to sign out at the same place, but there was no signage, and the exit was 50 feet away. So if, when you wanted to leave, your, your direction was away from the sign out. So just wanted you to, to know that. I have been under um, seven years under Secretary of State Ruth Johnson. In that role, I was the Community Affairs Director and Election Integrity Liaison. I assisted in preparing cases for referral to Attorney General Bill Schutte to prosecute for voter fraud. Ballot harvesting in Detroit, Flint, and Pontiac has been going on for decades. It's a misdemeanor to give your ballot to anyone not allowed by law to receive it, and it's a felony to take that ballot. People have been prosecuted in Michigan over the years as a result. Ballot stuffing, ballot curing, and complete fraud in the issuance, handling, and processing of ballots has not been addressed, and no election after 2020 should be considered fair unless we get this right this year. Amen. The complete hate, disdain, and apathy for Republican poll challengers is but one way of how elections are stolen in Michigan. Before COVID-19, and I'm talking to the Democrat in the House, and in every election in the last 25 years, Republican poll challengers were removed by the police, especially in Pontiac. MCL 168.733 says, the election inspectors and other election officials on duty shall protect a challenger in the discharge of his or her duties. Shall protect is not an option. Shall protect, it is never done in the urban areas. Never, never, never in the urban areas. In the 34 years I've been working for the, uh, the, the, the state of Michigan, and certainly not the 29 years I've been working at the Secretary of State. It also says in subsection four, a person shall not threaten one, one or minute. intimidate a challenger while performing an activity allowed. You shall not threaten or intimidate. That's right, you shall not threaten or intimidate, but they do it all the time. So, as the title says, Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. Where's Mr. Biden coming out? Stop the fraud, not just stop it, but rectify this 
all of these state legislatures by sending the true electors. And these Democrat-controlled uh, areas, because that's what we're talking about. Democrat-controlled areas cannot seem to balance their elections. And because they have been habitual violators of the inability to balance their election because of either ignorance, apathy, lack of leadership, or lack of caring about their election integrity, because if you add more laws to the books, you still have people who will not follow the law. And you, if you don't enforce the law, if you don't bring in Republicans to say, I am going to uh, be a poll worker, if you need five Republicans in the building, make sure five workers are. Contact the Michigan Republican Party, ask them for five people or 25 people or 200 people to work it. And then when the challengers come in, you protect them. You don't put them out. You don't call the police on them. You don't. You're supposed to protect them according to the law. Yes. Amen. I've taken my liberty for granted. I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed. I've never fought in a foreign war. I'm not a veteran, but people have given everything for us to have this privilege. It is certainly, I know people have said these are fatiguing meetings. They're long days. No, they're not. This is worth it. Every minute of this is worth it. And I commit to you and to this committee to follow up and offer you suggestions that I think will be seen as equitable to either party, but this isn't over yet. I would no. submit to you and the American people that we have a constitutional process under law by which the media does not determine who our elected officials will be uh, absent going through the process that is necessary. It's painful, it's gone on longer than it should, but we can do better, we must, and we must adjudicate this in a way that satisfies the demand of the American people that they trust but we must verify. Sounds like Ronald Reagan. Trust but verify. So finally, let's do a clip from the rally in Georgia today, this afternoon. I made it because I was born in America, and America gave me the opportunity to succeed in my life. And that's why I love America, and that's why I'm going to fight for America, and that's why you're going to fight for America. This is our country. Don't let anybody take it away from us. It's 1776. This is our battle. This is our fight. This is for our freedom. 1776 is back. Send a message from Georgia, the battleground state of Georgia. The battle starts here today at Wills Park in this land, in this place, with these people. We're going to take our country back again. It's 1776. God bless you and God bless America. This is Lynn Wood talking. The only people that are helping Donald Trump are people like you and me. We, the people, are helping Donald Trump because we know that Donald Trump loves the people. I spoke with a close friend of the president six months ago, and he told me the first time the president ran, he's thinking about building up his brand, and then he decided to get out and not run. And then he went across the country and he talked to the people. And he decided to run because he knew the people didn't have representation. He ran for you, the people. So he's not going to stay in office because of the Republican Party. He's going to stay in office because we, the people, demanded it. When we voted for him, I've looked at the real numbers. He won over 410 electrical, electoral votes. He won, damn near won every state, including California. 80 plus million votes. Woo! We're not going to let them steal our election. We're not going to let them steal our country. And we will die before we'll ever let them steal our freedom. When I tell you it's 1776 again, there were 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. They were pretty well off. They'd been in America for 100 plus years. They had a lot to lose. Their families, their plantations, their fortunes, 
the good names that they had built up over the first hundred years before 1776. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration of Independence. Remember this part of that declaration. We pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And most of them lost their fortunes. Many of them lost their lives. But they did it for their children and their grandchildren and the generations to come because they did it for freedom. It's our time now. Pledge your life, your fortune, your sacred honor to keep this country free. This is our country. Keep America free. God bless every one of you. Go to the, go to the governor's mansion. Go to the state capitol. Blow your horns. Send a message. This is America. We're going to keep it free. God bless you all. And God bless America. Okay, so finally we conclude. So, our topic today has been Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. We've seen all the examples of intimidation in Pennsylvania, keeping the people out with 700,000 votes. All the examples of intimidation in Michigan. That in itself, as one of the testifiers said, is enough to throw out the whole vote situation. And now in Georgia, we also see the same thing happening. You know, the votes stopped in the middle of the night, and lo and behold, suddenly all these votes came in. Massive fraud, and we haven't even touched on the Dominion voting machine issue of all, uh, well, we did touch on it, of these dumps of votes in the middle of the night. What's the FBI doing? Investigate. What's Bill Barr doing? Saying, oh, I don't see any evidence of fraud. How come Bill Barr never prosecuted Obama or Clinton or any of those people? What the heck? The guy's not even doing his job. Anyway, we can't wait for that. So state legislators, as I said in the last um, segment, do your job. Great. I mean, it's great you're withholding the votes. I mean, that's minimal thing from, from Biden. But the thing to do is send the electors for the winner. If you take out all those fake, false, non-observed votes, then clearly President Trump won in Pennsylvania, he won in Georgia, he won in Michigan. In fact, he won in all those states. He won in Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada. Send the electors to President Donald J. Trump. As many of the speakers said, this is not over at all. I'll be in D.C. with Stacey, and you should be on the 12th. Keep calling your legislators, especially if you're in those states. I've called my legislators, Capito, also um, government legislators, because Ultimately, this may fall to Congress. They have, have to um, accept electoral college results and or resolve any disputes, and there's clearly disputes. So then they have to do their job, and, and we cannot allow this massive fraud to stand. And by the way, if you're a naysayer, you're a wondrous Biden lover or whatever, then, hey, make your case. I haven't heard anybody make a case. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful that all the people were denied coming in the hall. Oh, yes, that's what we always do. We throw out, intimidate, and threaten the life of all the poll challengers. That's because, and we stand in their way, and we tell them they're going to die if because uh, we might get COVID. That's because we're doing everything so honestly. Oh, yes. Oh, the books don't balance by 700,000 votes? Oh, it's just a little mistake. Give me a break. If you really believe this election was fair and, and free, then go ahead and make your case. Hello, I don't hear anything. Anybody home? So, this is not over. President Donald J. Trump has to receive the electoral votes, and the state legislatures have to do their job. I appreciate the good work that's going on in Pennsylvania. Take it all the way. Send the electors for Donald J. Trump. Do the same thing in Michigan. Georgia, what are you guys doing down there? How about Wisconsin? How about the all all the um, votes that don't match the signatures? You have to request a ballot. I have friends in Wisconsin. They said, you know, they got stacks, a bunch of ballots in their house. Nobody even requested it. That's a hot mess. If they didn't request the ballot, then those signatures have to, those votes have to be removed. What are you doing? Did you do that? What about in Nevada? What about all your hot mess of double voting? And ballots stacked up everywhere. No, this isn't over at all. So, 
Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. Is that acceptable? No. Are we going to stand for it? No. Is this 1776? Yes. Is President Donald J. Trump going to be vindicated? Yes. But it's not just about President Donald J. Trump. It's about you and me being vindicated. We're not some idiots born under cabbage patch. We obviously know what's going on. Biden supporters must think we're awfully stupid or something. No, we're not stupid. And you know what? Nobody makes a fool out of God either. So be out in the streets. This is our country. These people work for us. We don't work for them. So I thank you for listening. This is Richard Urban. I am your host tonight coming from Stork Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Do be blessed. We'll see you next time. And tonight we're talking about Biden supports voter suppression and intimidation. Have a great night. Be blessed. Bye-bye.